The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good to see you. My name is Josh. I'm the pastor of New Song Church, and uh, if you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you came to visit our church, and after the service is over, I'll be out in the lobby with my wife, Sarah. Please stop by and say hi to us. We'd love to meet you. I have a gift for you, something I want to put into your hands just to kind of say thank you for coming, so make sure you stop by. Also, you saw in that video, next weekend, we're starting a brand new series called Influencer. And uh, this series is actually going to be the series that leads us right up to Easter. Easter's right around the corner. And so we're going to be in this series talking about the influence that, that God has given you and how to make the most of the influence that God has given you in your life, influencing your family, influencing the, the people and the world around you. It's going to be a really great series, and it's at a perfect time because this is the time of year when we really can influence people for the kingdom of God like no other time. If you, if you know anything about the church world, you know that this is a season of the year when if you'll invite people to church, they're more prone to come than any other time of the year. And so what we're inviting you to do is be an inviter, and not just an inviter, but a bringer. In fact, uh, we're saying this this year, we're kind of have this campaign that we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. So you guys put that up there for me. Your, it, it's this, your invitation equals encounters. Invitations equal encounters. And through this series, one of the things we're going to be doing is we're going to be showing you stories of invitations that have taken place within the church that have led to people having encounters with God that have changed their life. See, that's what we're talking about. Your invitation leads to people having an encounter with Jesus, because that's what this church is all about. It's not so people can have an encounter with some cool songs or a cool message. No, no, no. We want to set the table so people can have an encounter with Jesus Christ. He's what this is all about, because he can set them free, change their life, change everything. And your invitation could be the thing that leads to somebody else having a life-changing encounter with Jesus. How many of you believe that? I think if we believe it, we'll do it. And so, so that's what we're inviting you to do. So today, as you leave, you're going to see these, these cards out here that say influencer. In the next few weeks, we're going to have our invitations for Easter coming up. And, uh, and probably I think next week we'll tell you more about our Easter services. Just so you know, we will be adding a fourth service on Easter Sunday. So we'll let you know about those times and, uh, and what we want from you, what we desire for you to do to help us as we move towards that. All right, well, we're, we're finishing a series today called Compromise. Everybody say Compromised. Compromise. And this series is all, Jake, that was a half-hearted compromise right there, buddy. <laughs> I just, he's in the front row and he's a compromise. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call you out there, buddy. <laughs> well, this, this series has been all about the promises of God and how sometimes we, we compromise those promises. We, we do things that kind of forfeit our ability to experience the promises of God. See, the promises of God are available, but sometimes we miss out on them because we don't position ourselves in such a way. And, and what we've talked about is that, that sometimes we forfeit these promises because we just simply don't know that either they're available or that they even exist or, or how to function and operate in them. The Bible says that people are destroyed for a lack of 
of knowledge. And so what this series has been about is about helping you to see some of the promises of God that maybe you didn't even know were available and also position yourself so that you can encounter those. So we talked about authority the first week, that God has this authority that he's called you to walk in and to have dominion in this world. He's given us that authority, but in order to operate in it, you have to learn how to function under godly authority. We talked last week about healing, that healing is a promise from God. Healing is just like Jesus bore our sins on the cross. He bore our sicknesses and our diseases. He paid the price so that you could be healed. And, and we want you to experience the healing of God, not just in your, in your spirit, but in your body. God wants to heal you physically. In fact, last week, uh, we had several stories of people in the church that were healed. God did healing, worked miraculous healings in their life. And in fact, if that happened to you, we encourage you to share that with us so we can share that with the church. But, but God is up to some stuff. God's a healer, right? And so today, I want to talk to you about the promise of blessing. Everybody say blessing. blessing. How many of you would like to have the blessing of God on your life? And, and specifically, what I want to talk to you is about the blessing of God on your finances, financial blessing. So if you're taking notes this morning, you're following along in the app this morning, here's something you can write down. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. That's good news, isn't it? God wants to bless you. In fact, understand this, it pleases God to bless you. It blesses God to bless you. He wants you blessed. There, there's a story in, uh, in Jeremiah 32, verse 41, where God says this. He makes this, this statement. I love this. He says, talking to the children of Israel, he says, I will enjoy blessing them. I love that. God enjoys blessing us. He says, I will enjoy blessing them. With all my heart and soul, I will faithfully plant them in this land. Now, God is talking here to the Israelite people, the Jewish Hebrew people, and he's, he's moving them towards this promised land. It's this land of promise that he has for them, and he says that he enjoys putting them in that land. He enjoys them experiencing blessing. You say, well, Pastor Josh, that's great. Only one problem. I'm not Hebrew. <laughs> I'm not Jewish. Well, here's the good news. Look at this next verse. Isaiah 56 verse 3 says, my blessings are for the Gentiles too. You know who the Gentiles are? That's everybody else. So if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. And God says, my blessings are for the Gentiles too when they accept the Lord. Don't let them think that I will make them second class citizens. They can be as much mine as anyone. Listen, God wants to bless you. It's God's joy to bless you. It blesses God to bless you. And he's got blessings for you. He's got promises for you. In fact, in the Bible, God guarantees the blessing for you. But here's the thing. The blessings of God are conditional. Take a note this morning. Jot that down. The blessings of God are conditional. It's just like we've been talking throughout this whole, this whole series. God has authority for you. But in order for you to operate in that authority, you have to come under authority. You have to do things God's way. God has healing for you. He wants you to be physically healed in your body. And yet there still is a curse that exists on this world. And there's sickness and disease and things like that in this world. And if you don't align yourself with God's kingdom, you come under that kingdom. And you'll experience sickness and disease in your body. God's purchased healing for you. But you can still compromise that because you don't do things God's way. There's conditions to it. In the same way, there's, there's conditions to the blessing of God. Now listen, God's love for you is not conditional, okay? The love of God is unconditional. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on you being lovable. Thank God, right? The, the love of God for you is based on the fact that 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. But, but God has these promises, but they're conditions. See, I'll say it this way. Every promise has a premise, 
There's a premise. In fact, if you start to look at the promises in the Bible and start to study the different promises, and there's tons of promises in Scripture, one of the things you're going to discover is before, either before or after, right around these, these promises, is this word, two letters, if. If. Over and over again, God says, if. God says stuff like this. If, if you confess your sins... He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to cleanse you from all the unrighteous acts and things that you participate in that are wrong, that hurt you and do damage to you. But, but there's an if. If you confess your sins, then he can do his part. The Bible says this, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Notice you have to call it. God wants you saved. Jesus died so you could be saved. He's already purchased your salvation, but it's not automatic. You have a part to do. You have to call upon the name of the Lord, and then you can experience the salvation that God has for you. And in the same way, God has blessings for you, but there, there, there's an if. If you obey God, you can experience the blessings that he has for you. Now, Deuteronomy 28 talks about this. If you have your Bible, you want to go there. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and this will be a very familiar passage of Scripture if you've been coming to New Song any amount of time because this is actually the passage of Scripture that we took the word declaration from. It's from this, these verses we're about to read. And, and so what it says here, I want you to notice this. Deuteronomy 28, we're going to start in verse 2. There is a premise to the promise. There's all these promises from God that are incredible, but notice what it says at the very beginning. It says, verse 2, you will experience all these blessings. Now here's the premise, if. Everybody say, if. If you obey the Lord, your God. So that's the condition. You obey God. You do what God's word says. You make yourself, you put yourself in a blessable position, and then you can experience the blessings. What are the blessings? You will be blessed in your towns and in the country. You will be blessed with many children and productive fields. You will be blessed with fertile herds and flocks. In other words, God's going to bless your family. God's going to bless the, the work that you put your, your hands to, the work that you, you're doing. You'll be blessed in your baskets, with your baskets overflowing with fruit and with kneading bowls filled with bread. In other words, you're going to have enough to eat. You're going to have enough to, to take care of yourself that way. You'll be blessed wherever you go, both in coming and in going. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. How many of you would like that going on, right? God, when, when an enemy the enemy comes against you with attacks that God is protecting you and fighting for you and fighting with you and it says and the Lord will bless everything you do so just in case everything you do and will fill your storehouse with grain in other words your bank accounts your savings accounts will be filled and overflowing so listen that that's called prosperity right there my friends that's the blessed life God being with you, God blessing you, God blessing the work that you do, God blessing your family, God filling up your, your savings accounts and your, th this is prosperity, this is what it looks like. God wants to bless you, but in order for that to happen, you have to obey God. There's an if, there's a, there's a premise to the promise, but God wants to bless you. And when God says he wants to bless you, he doesn't just want to bless you in kind of a secret way, no, 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 God wants to bless you visibly and publicly. God wants to bless you in such a way that people look at your life and they say, man, that person is blessed. What, what, what is going on in their life? How, how come they, their life is the way it is? Like, what is going on with them? That's how God wants to bless you. And listen, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you visibly, publicly. And God is just waiting for you so that he can bless you. God has blessings stored up for you. See, a lot of times we think that, that we're waiting on God. When really, in reality... A lot of times God's just waiting on us, waiting on us to put ourselves in the place to be obedient, to honor him, to do what he's asking us to do so that he can bless us. Look at this verse. This is Psalms 31 verse 19. 
talking about God, it says, your goodness is so great. Look at this next part. You have stored up great blessings. Notice they're stored up. God's got like storehouses full of blessings. He's just waiting to pour out on you. But look at this, for those who honor you. God's blessings are for those who are willing to be obedient, who are willing to honor God with everything that they have. They're stored up and waiting for you. But it's important, you gotta position yourself so that you can receive them. And, and, and this is the problem. See, there's a lot of people, God has stuff stored up for you, but some people will never experience those blessings. They're waiting for you. God's ready to release them, but we'll never experience them. Why? Because we're not obedient. We're not honoring God the way that we're supposed to. We're not positioning ourselves to receive the blessing. Now, I would guess that if I was to go around this room today and I was to start talking to each one of you individually and I was to say, okay, I want you to list the top five areas of your life that you would like to see the blessing of God actively at work in your life. If I was to ask you that, I bet everyone in here would have at least this one thing on that list and that is money, right? Like we would like to see God bless us in our finances. How many would you like to see God's blessing on your finances? Okay, so, so then the question is, and that's what I want to talk about today, is how do we position ourselves where we're honoring God with our finances so God can bless us in our finances? Okay, so I'm going to make a statement, and this is a strong statement this morning, and I know for some of you, I can, you can just kind of sense it in the room, you know? He's talking about money, and we get kind of concerned, and we start, you know, getting a little uncomfortable, and and if that's the way that you feel today, I, I, hopefully I'm going to be able to show you today the heart of God for you when it comes to this. And you'll never feel uncomfortable about this again. <laughs> because God is so good and so giving and so gracious. But, but I want you to understand something about God. Now, because of that, I'm going to do something I normally don't do, which is I'm going to take a moment here and I just want to pray. And, I, and here's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm asking you to have an open heart and an open mind to what the Holy Spirit would say to you today. So if you would, just kind of put your hands out like this for just a moment and just, let's just pray. Lord, I, I just lift everybody up this morning. I thank you for your spirit that's here today, that's guiding us into all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I pray today as we look at your word and look at this promise of financial blessing, God, that you would help us to just see it the right way. Help the eyes of our understanding be enlightened so that we can experience what it is that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's my strong statement. You guys ready for this? All right, now, now hear me, hear this out, okay? God is after your money. God's after your money. Make no mistake about it, God is after your money. But listen, listen, it's not what you think it is. Because he's actually not after your money. Really, God is after your heart. But there's a connection between your heart and your money. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6, 21. He says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Jesus brings to, to our attention this correlation between our treasure and our heart, and that our heart follows our treasure. Or in other words, your heart follows your bank account. Your heart follows your money. I'll say it like that. And if you're taking notes, you can fill that in there. Your heart follows your money. And when you think about it, really, there's nothing that competes for your heart like your money. Money has a way in the world that we live in, to position itself in such a way that it becomes an idol, it becomes a god, it becomes something that we look to for, for our provision. 
See, money is, is something that sources things into our lives, isn't it? In fact, I was thinking about this one day, um, about the basic kind of necessities of a human being. And I got on Google and I, I looked up, what are the basic necessities of, of every human? And it listed three things. Number one is uh, you need food, right? And that includes water. So food and water is number one. Number two is shelter, a roof over your head, you know, protection from the elements. And number three was clothing. Okay, so in the world we live in today, in order to have those things, you need some money, don't you? You say, well, Pastor Josh, you can live up in the woods and you can, you know, kill your own food and all that. Yeah, there's like 10 people in the world that do that, okay? Get it. And even those people, if you watch those shows that talk about them, they like are skinning pelts and bringing them down and exchanging those for money. Like you need some form of, of finance in order to, to be taken care of in the world. But the majority of us use money, okay? And we need money. See, and so what happens is because money is a source that brings provision into our life, what can happen if we're not careful is we, get, we begin to see money as the source. We begin to see money as our provision, And money becomes something that replaces God. And we start to think things like, well, if I just had more money, everything would be good. If I had more money, this problem would go away. If I had more money, I would feel more secure. If I had more money, then, you know, fill in the blank, right? If I just had more money, it would would all be, be good. And we see money as a source. But listen, beyond the fact that we see money this way as a source, you gotta understand there's a spiritual aspect to this. And I hope that you, like you're in church today, so hopefully you have kind of this grasp of like spiritual things. You understand that there is a real spiritual world, that, that you, at the core of who you are, you are a spirit. The Bible says you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. God is spirit. The Bible says that, that those who worship God are, God is a spirit. We have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so think about this. God created this physical world that we experience with our five senses from the spiritual world. So if you're really breaking it down here, which world is more real? (laughs) The world that created this world. And so there are spiritual truths that exist that go beyond our senses, that go beyond our natural way of thinking. And money, there's spiritual aspects to this. In fact, in in Matthew 6, right, right after Jesus talks about where your treasure is, your heart is also, he makes this statement in verse 24. He says, no one. Everybody say, no one. Say it like you mean it. No one. No one can serve two masters. Now notice that, that phrasing there, two masters. There's masters here. There's, there's, a, there's two people fighting, or there's two things that are fighting against each other here. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now look at what it says next. You cannot serve both God and money. See, what happens with money is we think that money is serving us, but really we're serving money. We start seeing money as our provision we, we think that if we get more money, it provides for us, but really we start to put money in this position of lordship in our life when we become our own little God who serves the God of getting money and making money and becomes a master in our life. And so Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. And really when, God, when he says money here, he actually uses a word mammon. And mammon isn't just money. It speaks to money, but it also speaks to a heart condition that we can have because of money and, and this heart condition rests on us because of this. Money has a spirit on it. Money has a spirit on it. If you're taking notes, jot that down. Money has a spirit attached to it. And that spirit can attach itself to you. Okay, so, here, so here's how it works, all right? Uh, money, if not submitted to God, if not submitted to, to, to honoring God and submitted his purposes, that money um, gets the spirit of mammon on it. 
Money that's been submitted to God has the Spirit of God on it. So, so when money has the Spirit of God on it, we see money the right way. And God rests in his place of lordship in our life where he's supposed to be. But when it doesn't, here's what happens. See, here's what the, the Spirit of Mammon says. It says, I don't need God. It says, I can do this on my own. If I just have enough of this, I can meet my needs. I can supply for myself. I can take care of myself. Money excludes God from the equation. If I can just make enough money, my money can take the place of God. And the spirit of mammon makes statements that only God can really, really make. It it says that if you just get enough money, then you're going to have security. You're going to have significance. You're going to have identity. You can have independence through money. You can have power through money. You can have freedom through money. It makes these promises that only God can really fulfill. And and I think if we're being really honest today, we know this is true. I mean, you you look at the sports world. You look at Hollywood. You look at some of the richest people in the world. And they have all the money in the world, and yet they are doing some of the dumbest stuff. I know of a football owner that just did something extremely, extremely stupid who has $6 billion to his name. Like we hear these stories and we're going, wow. Why? Because money's not the answer. You, if your problem, if you have a financial problem this morning, let me just tell you, money's not your problem. And money's not the answer. God is the answer. God's the answer to your financial problems. And so because of that, listen, God created a system whereby which we could honor God with our money, we could put our heart in the right place when it comes to our money, and we could also help build the kingdom of God in this earth. And that system is called the tithe. Everybody say tithe. tithe. And so what is the tithe? The tithe is 10%. That's what tithe means. It means 10th. And it means you take the first 10% of what you have and you bring it to the Lord. You return it to God. And here's the truth when it comes to tithing. God blesses tithers. God blesses tithers. And you cannot argue with that. I don't care what side of the fence you sit on, because even if you don't agree with tithing, you're still giving if you're a tither, and God blesses givers. So there's no way around it. God blesses tithers, okay? God blesses tithers. Now, Malachi chapter 3, if you want to turn there with me, Malachi chapter 3 is one of the longest discourses on this subject of tithing. And, uh, and in this, I want to read the first couple of verses to you because there's a couple of things that, that God says, and this is God talking. In fact, as we read this, notice how often it says, saith the Lord, God of hosts, or, or says the Lord. It says this all through it. But as God gets into talking about the tithe, he, he makes a, the, the verses right before it, he makes a couple of really strong statements that you need to recognize. Okay, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says this, God talking, I am the Lord and I do not change. <laughs> That's the verse right before God gets into talking about tithing. Now, I hope you understand the Bible is the word of God, right? Yep. So it's inspired by God. So he knew what he was doing. So when he put this verse here, he put it there for a reason. And, and I believe it. one of the reasons is because one of the great arguments that people have against the tithe is that it doesn't apply anymore, that that's old school thinking and you don't have to do that anymore and that's passed away. Even though I could show you in the Bible where Jesus himself endorsed the tithe, people think that that's not really something that I have to do. But I just find it funny that in the verses right before it, I'll show you, the next verses talk about the tithe here. God says, I'm the Lord, I do not change. Okay, so just so you know, God hasn't changed his opinion on this. 
This is still something that God expects you to operate under. In fact, look at the the next verse. It says this, yet from the days of your father, you have gone away from my ordinances. Now that word ordinances is another important word because it means the ordinary principles of behavior. So here's what God's saying is he's getting ready to talk about the tithe. He says, I don't change. And there's some ordinary principles of behavior that I expect you to be operating under that you've gotten away from. And then he begins to talk about the tithe. Look at this with me goes on to say this, and you've not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you. In other words, if you've gotten away from this, just get back to it, and God will return to you and what he wants to do through you. Says the Lord of hosts. There it is. God talking reminds you again. But you said, in what way shall we return? Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me even the whole nation. Now, the next part I'm going to read you is is the premise and the promise. This is the if. If you do this, then God will do this. Check this out. Malachi 3.10, bring. Notice that word bring. He doesn't say give the whole tithe. He says bring. Because you cannot give God something that already belongs to him. And everything you own, everything you think you own, really belongs to God. Just like you can, if I told you, hey, could you go park my car across the street and I gave you my car keys and you took my car and you parked it across the street and you came back here and you said, hey, I want to give you a car. <laughs> You're not giving me nothing. You're returning to me what already belongs to me, right? Listen, nothing you have is yours. Turn to the person beside you and say, it's all God's. God owns everything, Okay. So you're bringing this to God. You're bringing what God wants you to bring. You're honoring God. This is how he asked you to honor him. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's our part. The storehouse is a, is a picture of the church, the house of the Lord, that there may be food in my house. In other words, so the church can do what it needs to do to build the kingdom in this world. And look at this next part. Test me in this. This is the only time in scripture, the only time that God says, test me. Test me. Now, you don't tell somebody to test you in something unless you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you can back up what you're telling them to test you in, right? I wouldn't do that. God says he could detest him in this. Why? Because he knows he can back up what he's saying here. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Almighty. Notice these words. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates. Other verses say the windows of heaven. Open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. Everybody say blessing. Blessing. That there may be, that there will not be enough room to store it. This is awesome. This is amazing what God's saying here. Verse 11, I will, he starts to talk about more of these promises. I will prevent pests. In other words, he, another translation says he'll rebuke the devourer. He'll keep the enemy from stealing from you, from devouring your crops and the vines of your field. And, and they will not drop fruit before they're ripe, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, you won't have miscarriages. You won't lose your stuff. Your stuff will last longer. It won't break down. Like, this is incredible. Then all the nations will call you blessed. That's what I talked about earlier. God wants to bless you in such a way that you're, you're blessed visibly where other people see it. And they're like, man, that guy, that family is blessed. That's how God wants to bless you. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, you're going to be full of joy. So, so check this out. This is amazing. God says, if you do your part, honor me, bring the tithe to me, then I'm going to do my more amazing part. And I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bring joy into your life. I'm going to give you favor. I mean, this is incredible what God says. This is God's promise. So here it is in its most simple form. If you bring the tithe to God, you're going to be blessed. And if you don't, you won't be blessed in your finances. God can't bless you in that area if you're not obeying God in that area. But beyond just not being blessed there, realize this. The Bible actually says that you, you come under a curse. 
Look back at verse 8 with me. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. I'll talk about that more in just a minute. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. Now look at verse 9. You are cursed with a cursed, for you have robbed me. Now, you say, but Pastor Josh, I don't believe that because the Bible says that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And yes, you have been, as a child of God, you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. In other words, you can step out from underneath the curse that operates in this world. But I hope you recognize that there is still a curse at work in this world and on this world. And what happens is, when we don't do things God's way, we align ourselves with the world. We, we set ourselves in agreement with the posture and the position of this world, and so the curse that resides on this world resides on you. But when you tithe, you willingly set yourself against the curse of this world, and you position yourself so God can pr- rebuke the curse from coming against you and your finances and your family and your stuff. This is good news, right? And so God says, will you, will you honor me in this? Will you obey me in this? He says, will you rob me? And we hear that and we think, man, so God doesn't want us to take what, what he's saying belongs to him. And that's part of it. But really, here's, here's the truth I want you to see this morning. When, when it says that you're robbing God, here's what you're robbing God of. You're robbing God of his ability to bless you like he wants to. Because you've set yourself in agreement with this world and the world system instead of God's system, you put yourself in a position where God can't bless you the way he wants to. And so you're robbing God of the blessing he wants to pour into your life and he wants to flow through your life. Is this helping anybody this morning? I hope it is. This is so good. See, it takes cooperation. There's a part that you have to play. You, you can't just live any way you want to and expect God's blessing to still be on your life. You have to be in agreement with God's word. So, so here's the truth, okay? Let me break it down for you a little bit more simple, okay? This is what God's saying. If you tithe, then I will take the 90%. God will take that 90% and it'll be blessed by God and it will be out from underneath the curse of this world. Or you can have 100%, but it's gonna be under the curse of the world and the blessing of God won't be on it. So 90% blessed by God or 100% cursed without the blessing of God. This is a real simple equation for me. I want the 90% blessed by God. Because I believe God can do more with my 90% than I can do with 100% under the curse. It's, it's, it's really that simple. So, so, so understand this, and this is so important. God owns everything, and God is a giver. And, and this is such a huge, huge aspect to this. In fact, I would say this, another strong statement I want to make this morning. If you're struggling with tithing, if you struggle with giving, I believe that part of the problem is you don't see God the right way. You don't see God as the giver that he really is. In fact, if I was to really break down who God is into just two words, I believe it would be this, God gives. When you think about the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave, gave right? Jesus said this in, in Luke twelve thirty two. do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Notice there it is again, God it blesses God to bless you. John 10, 10, Jesus said, my purpose is to give them, talking about us, a rich and satisfying life. And, and sometimes we struggle, though, with this, with this idea because we just struggle to see God the right way. A few years ago, I was, uh, I was with my family and we went to the movies. 
And at this time, my oldest son, Gus, was seven. Uh, my daughter, Bo, was four. And my youngest, Sonny, was one and a half. So we were just kind of getting to the age with, with her where she was big enough to go to the movies. And if you've ever taken little kids to the movie, it is, a, it is an expedition, man. It is a dance of, of, you need a lot of grace, right? And so, like, you work up a sweat getting ready for the movie, so, I'm, so here's how it works. We, we go into the movie. We get there 30 minutes early because we need that time allotment. And uh, we take the kids in. We get them seated. Sarah sits with them and kind of makes sure that they, you know, stay in their place. And then I go out and I start getting all of the snacks. So I got to go out to the, and, and buy popcorn. And then I got to bring it back. And I got to pour it into each one of their little containers. And I got to get candy. And then Sarah brings this big purse and it's full of cups and containers. Because you can't just give a kid a box of candy because they will just go, oh, candy, and dump it out on the ground. You have to have a container for them. So we have a container for their popcorn and their candy and, and their soda where they don't spill it everywhere. They're little kids. So we're, we're going through all this process. It takes me 30 minutes to get it all set up. But finally, we're settled. We're in the movie. We've paid $2,000 to see this movie. We're sitting there and we're enjoying the movie. And I'm watching the movie and I'm eating my popcorn. And I and guess my son is sitting beside me. He has this little, this little cup of Reese's Pieces that he's eating because Gus likes Reese's Pieces. But he likes Reese's Pieces because dad likes Reese's Pieces. And so I'm eyeballing his Reese's Pieces. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to take a couple of these little Reese's Pieces. So I reach over to grab a couple of these Reese's Pieces. And Gus grabs his little cup and yanks it away from me and looks at me like I am the devil incarnate. And says, dad, these are mine. Now in that moment. Something began to rise up inside of me <laughs> to the point that I want to take his little cup of Reese's Pieces and look him square in the eyes and just dump him onto the ground <laughs> just to prove a point. But cooler heads prevail, and I don't. But, but here's the thing. In that moment, Gus was seeing me the totally wrong way. And, and I think sometimes that this is what we do when it comes to, to God. There's four things that I recognized in Gus that I think we need to recognize in ourselves sometimes. One is Gus in that moment forgot who provided the Reese's Pieces for him. Like, I'm the hookup. I'm the provider. I'm the one that made those Reese's Pieces available. I'm the one that purchased them. If there ain't no dad, there ain't no Reese's Pieces. If there ain't no dad, there ain't no movie. If there ain't no dad, there ain't no Gus. <laughs> Me and his mom had to get together, and God blessed it, and that was, he was produced, but... I played a part in that. <laughs> he exists because of me. But, but sometimes we do the same thing when it comes to God. God comes to us and he says, hey, I want you to honor me by bringing me back this, this little portion. And it's not the big, it's the a, it's a small portion. He gives you the majority share of what's already his. I want you to bring this back to me. And we take it and we go, God, this is mine. How dare you? See how stupid that looks? It's not a good look, Christians. Because <laughs> we forget the air that we breathe, the, the, the money, the possessions, everything you have is from God. You say, well, you know, I've, I've, I went to college and I developed myself and I got myself to this. Yeah, with the brain that God put in your head, okay? <laughs> everything you have comes from God. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and that includes me and you, Okay? So God owns everything, and sometimes we forget that, that he's, he's our hookup. He's the one that provides for us. Second thing that, that Gus didn't recognize is that 
I don't need his Reese's Pieces. Like, I can go get my own Reese's Pieces. I can go fill up a truck full of Reese's Pieces if I want to. I, I, don't, I don't need his little Reese's Pieces. And, and I think sometimes we, we don't recognize that about God. Like, God, he doesn't need your money. Like, it's, God is not as dependent upon your money as you are on his blessing on your life. God's kingdom doesn't rise and fall by, based on whether you honor him with your giving. But listen, your kingdom rises and falls based on that. So, so he, doesn't, he doesn't need what you have, but, but he, he wants to see you honor him. The third thing that, that Gus didn't recognize is that really, if I wanted to, I could take his Reese's Pieces. Like some of you, if you had a cup of Reese's Pieces, I may not be able to take your Reese's Pieces from you. We get in a wrestling match, you might take me. But I can take a seven-year-old all day. And, and hear me, I'm not saying that, that if you don't do this, that God's going to come get you. Like God is not, this isn't like paying off the mafia here. <laughs> God's not looking to, to take you out if you don't do things his way. But, but I think there is an issue we need to recognize, and that is God's asking you to honor him. There's a reverence involved in your tithes and your offerings. And I think sometimes because God is so gracious and loving and good to us, we take advantage of that grace. And here's the fourth thing, and this is really the big one, is what Gus didn't realize is he needs to give them. See, in that moment when Gus pulled his Reese's Pieces away from me, he saw me the wrong way. He saw me as a taker instead of who I am in his life, which is a giver. And sometimes when we're withholding from God, it's because we're seeing him for something he isn't. We see him as a taker instead of who he is. He's a giver. Listen, the only thing God wants to take from you is sickness and, and sin and demonic oppression. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see God. God was a, he, Jesus came to only do the will of the Father. What did Jesus do? He went about doing good, healing he went about setting people free. He gave his life. That's a picture of who God is. So I want you to know this morning, God doesn't, this is not about God wanting to take something from you. This is about God wanting to give something to you, about the blessing that God wants to put on your life. And when you tithe, listen, you put an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everything God in a position who owns everything where he can bless you the way that he wants to. And so at the end of the day, here's what it all boils down to, is God wants to be first. God wants to be first in your life. And is there any area of your life where you would say, that area, God, that's off limits. You can be first everywhere, but that area, no, I, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll take care of that area. I'll be my own provision there. That's the spirit of mammon. I, I, I need this. God, I, I don't trust you with that area. I got to trust myself, and I trust in this. I trust in my riches more than I trust in you. Am I helping you guys this morning? I hope so. Because I I want you to see this morning, this is not about me wanting to take something from you, get something from you. I'm not preaching this message today because the church needs your money. Listen, we are a blessed church. We really are. God has blessed our church. We're a part of an association of churches called the Ark, which has over almost 900 churches in it. And for a church our size, we are one of the most financially blessed churches in the entire organization. I mean, it's insane. Churches our size sometimes are barely able to operate. We have hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars in our bank account right now. 
God has positioned us very well. So this is not about me needing to get something from you. Listen, this is about the blessing that I believe God has for you. I want to see you blessed in your finances. I want to see you walking in the fullness of what God has for you in your life. And I know this. I know if God's first, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He wants to be first. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.